This is the Gartner Podcast for Supply Chain Leaders. Hi, and welcome to the Gartner Supply Chain Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Caroline Chumakov, and twice a month, we sit down with some of Gartner's best thinkers, innovators, and leaders to share with you timely strategic insights and tactical tips you need to drive supply chain success. And for today's episode, amidst all of the chaos of our day-to-day lives and operational decision-making, we're here to hit the pause button. As CSCOs and supply chain leaders, you deal with a lot of hype. There are new and exciting technologies, skills a LinkedIn post told you your workforce needs or you'll fail miserably, and even new organizational models that are so-called future-proof. But how do we know if the hype is real? Joining us to answer this question is Gartner analyst Noha Tahimi. Noha, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Caroline and everyone. Good to be here. Thanks so much for being here. So Noha, a Gartner tool we use to discuss trends and trending capabilities is the hype cycle. And today we're here to talk more specifically about our supply chain strategy hype cycle. But many of our listeners won't be familiar with this idea of a hype cycle, a very Gartner term. So what exactly is a hype cycle and how can CSCOs use it? The simplest way of thinking about it is that it's a framework that gives us a way to present, describe, and track key capabilities. And capabilities is kind of a catch-all term that we use. So it includes technologies, it includes competencies, frameworks, operating models, strategies, organizational models. But really the intent of the strategy hype cycle is to give the CSOs and the strategy leaders a way to understand all of the key terms, key capabilities that are available out there that can be invested in, and then give them an approach to think about those capabilities in terms of their maturity level, their market penetration, and their expected business benefits. And I usually use an analogy when I describe the hype cycle, and it has to do with horse racing. If we think of a horse race, we know two things for sure. Um, I know that I want to win it, obviously, and I know that there is a finish line. And typically, if I want to win it, one way, one sure way to do that is to research the horses, understand who they are, their lineage, their track records. And obviously, the more I know about them, the more educated I will be in making my events. So think of the hype cycle as a way to present our horses, our key capabilities in the supply chain that would support us in winning. I love the horse racing analogy. So the hype cycle is meant to educate leaders on the horses that they might bet on, right, which are in some cases emerging or or more established capabilities, um, anything from, you know, maybe blockchain to agile teams and to understand essentially the, the rate of adoption or expectation for those capabilities today. But what listeners might not realize at this moment is that a hype cycle is a very visual tool. There's an x-axis, there's a y-axis, and there's a line with a very specific shape to it. If you Google hype cycle, you'll see it immediately. It looks like a very tall hill or slope, followed by a sharp dip down and then a smaller hill. And you'll often see dots or sometimes triangles that fall along that line. So know how, what exactly is the shape of the hype cycle telling us? And in particular, what are the phases of the hype cycle that we see in its shape? 
Yeah, so, so I think that the secret is out. The, the hype cycle is not really a cycle. It is a curve. So throughout the curve, we go through a few phases. Um, left to right, we start with a trigger point. And this is where the capability starts its life cycle. It's a breakthrough or a major event that create the awareness and the interest in that capability. Next, we go through a phase that we call the inflated expectations. And this is where we see the, the peak in the cycle. And if the capability falls in this phase, typically there are very unrealistic expectations of the value. Um, the capability is of major interest, but it has yet to be tested. Once we go through the peak, then we get into what we call the trough of disillusionment. And visually, this is the valley of the curve. And this is when the capability has yet to meet those high expectations that we have set in the peak phase. So the capability dives into the valley, which means that uh, we're starting to question its value and its chances of success. If the capability survives going through the trough, then it progresses towards the plateau of the curve. And this is where we start seeing broader adoption of it and um, and we start seeing that it is demonstrating more consistent returns. That's great, Noha. So what I understand is that capabilities flow through this hype cycle, where first they are discovered, then they overpromise on their value and what they can deliver to the organization, and then tend to underdeliver against those expectations, eventually finally promising or meeting expectations and, and delivering on the expectations that we have for those capabilities. So you specifically support our supply chain strategy hype cycle, which doesn't just focus on technologies, but also looks at other broader supply chain capabilities. So what are some of the capabilities and capability trends that we're tracking along the hype cycle right now? So the, the approach that we take in, in the strategy hype cycle is that we really want to present what we see in the industry as key capabilities that chief supply chain officers and strategy leaders need to be aware of. And, and we need to educate on those capabilities. And these span a few areas. Obviously, technology is front and center as we see more and more companies really embracing digital first in the supply chain. There are a few key technologies that we are tracking. For example, this year on the left hand of the cycle, we talk about the supply chain digital twin. And this is a framework that is, at least in the vision of many organizations, having a digital representation of their physical supply chain and being able to use that representation to both augment decision-making and also automate some of the decisions in supply chain. But we move beyond technology, so we focus on competencies, uh, how the company can use data literacy to improve their analytics adoption. We talk about key frameworks like supply chain segmentation, uh, supply chain cost optimization, network design. We have a few capabilities that revolve around uh, operating models. So the modular supply chain, the solution supply chain, circular, as well as a few capabilities that focus on organizational models. So we track centers of excellence, for example, and their adoption. We track agile teams as well as 
hybrid work. Um, so again, a one-stop shop to educate as well as to explain the benefits and the maturity levels of all of these capabilities and subcategories. That's great, Noha. So I imagine, you know, as you've discussed before, some of these capabilities are going to obviously be more emerging, will have just been discovered and, and aren't well understood or adopted. And other capabilities are more common, more familiar, more leveraged. Is there an optimal approach that leaders should use to pursue capabilities depending on where they're falling or where they land on the hype cycle? How are other companies approaching this? So the guidance that we give is that CSOs and strategy leaders should approach investments in the capabilities along the cycle as a portfolio. Um, so we need to choose a set of investments that's going to balance risks and upside. Where the capability falls on the hype cycle can guide that investment strategy. So. On the left-hand side of the cycle, these are emerging capabilities, so not tested yet, high risk, high reward potentially. And for those, we want to proceed cautiously. We want to pilot, experiment, and take a very phased approach to adoption. Then we look at capabilities in the middle, in the trough, and these are not necessarily bad capabilities. In fact, many of them have underperformed, but they're also undervalued. So going back and re-examining, revisiting these capabilities, how did we adopt them in the past? What worked? What didn't? They have the potential of really generating a lot of return. And then finally, we look on the right-hand side of the hype cycle, and these are the, the sure bets, right? These are tested capabilities have been broadly adopted across the industry. And for those we want to, we want to continue investing in them. Um, so we want to scale and expand their adoption. And maybe just to give a couple of examples to clarify this investment strategy of piloting, re-examining, and scaling, depending on where the capability falls on the cycle. Maybe one of the capabilities that we see on the left where we are recommending piloting is artificial intelligence. On everyone's mind, this is one capability that both CEOs and CSEOs report that it is the most transformative technology that they are pursuing. So for sure, I want to invest in AI. The question is, how much investments, how much adoption should I pursue at this point in time, given how immature AI is and given how immature some of the technologies are on the market? So the, the guidance is let's pilot it. Absolutely, let's keep up with understanding and experimenting with it, but take a phased approach to the adoption. So one example of a company that is approaching this piloting strategy when it comes to AI is Nestle. Nestle has identified a vision of autonomous supply chain, and the phased journey towards that is to use AI first to focus on preventing revenue leakage in their order-to-cash process. So what does that mean? They are using AI to predict payment risks associated with specific customers at the individual invoice level. The AI solution is providing the staff with insights how to prioritize actions 
that the staff can take to mitigate the payment risk. Next, they're focusing on using AI in the second phase, which is in distributed order management. So again, with the emphasis of transforming the order to cash process, how can I do a better job of allocating my supply based on forecasted customer demand and then use AI to be able to make real-time adjustment to the plan? And then finally, they are piloting AI to reach their vision for automated customer fulfillment. This means automating as much as possible to help their staff focus on higher value. So this is clearly an approach of piloting, learning, tracking progress before extending the investment in AI. Fantastic, Noha. So what I hear is that supply chain leaders, CSCOs, should pilot emerging trends, as we saw in, in the Nestle example. They should re-examine trends that maybe aren't living up to their initial expectations and seek to scale some of the more established solutions that exist. But I imagine that every year there are capabilities and trends that are retired from the hype cycle because they've become ubiquitous, right? Everyone has them and are reaping the benefits, but also new capabilities and trends that are added to the hype cycle. Were there any new capabilities that we added to this year's hype cycle? There are a few new capabilities that we are tracking now on the hype cycle. Ecosystem partnership, for example, you will see that on the left side of the cycle this year. It's a new capability. Ecosystem is building the large community of independent organizations, uh, sharing and combining the capabilities within the community so we can develop relationship and we can generate and exchange value among all of the participants. So we're not talking just about suppliers or just about customers, but NGOs, uh, governmental bodies, and academic institutions. Why is it important for us to track ecosystem partnerships? Because our research tells us that. Um, CSEOs are reporting that they see ecosystem partnerships as a key enabler to improving customer experience and supporting business growth. So the ecosystem partnership, like I said, you will see on the left-hand side because it is an emerging capability. It faces a lot of challenges. In our research, only 25% of organizations say that the culture of the organization is open and receptive to external collaboration. So a major challenge to get more and more of the organization ready for that type of ecosystem framework. So that's one new capability. Another capability that we introduced this year is hybrid work. And of course, given everything that has happened over the past couple of years, this is a very critical framework to track. Obviously, hybrid work is about at least some activities being done in any location um, using technology, laptop or mobile device. It's a very important capability to track because we've seen in our research that majority of employees say that the ability to work flexibly can very much affect whether they decide to stay at their organization and can also affect whether or not they would consider a new job. So on the hype cycle, we see it failing. So it's directly to the right of the peak. So it means that it's starting its journey down towards the trough. 
Um, this is an example of a capability. Not every capability needs to start all the way to the left. Uh, sometimes the capability is, is hyped at the moment, um, very quickly uh, reached the peak of inflated expectations, and now trending towards the valley and specifically for hybrid work, this is because we see organizations realizing that hybrid work is not always the solution. Um, many companies are working on finding some balance between reaping the benefits of flexibility, but also protecting what's great about physical presence, more collaboration, maybe more delineation between work and home life, which can support both physical and mental health. That's great, Noha, and certainly no surprise to see hybrid work as a new and very important capability to be tracking given employee expectations and going remote overnight in many cases more than two years ago. As always, we like to send our listeners off not only with a new perspective, but with some clear recommendations for a way forward. So Noha, what advice would you give to CSCOs that are trying to cut through the hype and to bet on the right horses? What are one to two actions you would recommend for them? Yeah, so I, I can't resist going back to the race analogy. So I think it works. So a couple of considerations to share. First, researching the horses, right? There are many capabilities on the hype cycle. I think we have upward of 30 capabilities this year. So look at them and look at their position along the cycle. Don't be too attracted by newcomers. Or maybe I should say be attracted by newcomers, but make your bets with the knowledge that they might be immature and they might be untested at the moment. And balance those investments in the high risk, high reward capabilities on the left with investments in mature capabilities that have demonstrated value. So I'm thinking of investments in network design, centers of excellence, supply chain visibility and metrics, things that you would see on the right hand side. And then finally, figure out your goals. What is your finish line? A finish line is going to be different across organizations. Usually it's a balance between what good looks like on one hand and what you as an organization need to progress along the supply chain maturity journey. In other words, make the investments that would help you achieve long-term goals as you satisfy your organization's current priorities along the way. So start with the finish line, research the horses, and then pick your winning set is what I hear, Noha. Noha, thank you so much for joining us today and taking us through the supply chain strategy hype cycle. The report that covers these insights in depth is accessible to clients via the link in the show notes or by simply going to Gartner.com and searching for hype cycle for supply chain strategy 2022. Finally, if you've enjoyed our show, please be sure to go to Gartner.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you've listened to our podcasts and give us a five-star rating as well as subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm Caroline Chumakov, and we'll see you next time. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company, equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. 
Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.